Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in on this Sunday evening. What a blessing to be together. I'm so grateful that we have this time. Thank you for allowing me in your home, your automobile, wherever you may be listening. Thank you for being there. And uh, my co-host, Pastor Josh, is with us as well. A lot of info to share with you. He'll be telling you about our upcoming Great Jubilee Revival Services that are beginning February the 5th and continuing through the 8th. He'll be talking more about that when he comes in just a moment. But uh, I want to share with you some things that I noticed this week, actually reading some information toward the end of the week. And there it was that many people that's involved in relationships and actions that today's culture support, they've been so disappointed in the outcome, those in the LGBTQ community, those in other types of situations and circumstances, those who have been involved in occultism and, well, just the way culture is today, they found themselves very disappointed. They found themselves without any kind of direction in life, and they were asked what made the biggest difference. And here was their response. They said, there is no substitute for the gospel. Now get that. These folks who had tried everything the culture supports said there's no substitute for the gospel message, the truth of God's word. And how very important that information is to you and I. We oftentimes are told through the lies of the devil and the lies that's out there that's flooding the culture that don't dare share the truth with anybody. Be careful. Don't give them the gospel. You'll drive them away. Or be careful and don't give them the truth of God's word about their situation or circumstances because it'll push them in another direction. But actually, according to people who have been set free They said the opposite is true. There is no substitute for the gospel. And when I was reading those statistics and those things, it reminded me of the gospel of John chapter number four, where our Lord Jesus, in his interaction with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, we all know the story, but uh, he did exactly what people are telling today is what made the difference in their life. He just told her the truth. First, he offered redemption and living water, but then he just told her the truth. And she was so happy to meet someone who was 100% honest, true blue, and gave her hope. And that was Jesus. In John chapter number four, we I know I'm speaking to the choir out there in essence, and you understand this passage, but did you understand that this woman was damaged? Uh, she had been denied by uh, husband after husband after husband. She'd been denied perhaps, and no doubt by many religious uh, leaders. She'd been denied from the Jewish faith for sure as a Samaritan. And here she is, the Lord engages her in conversation at the well. And he turns 
her conversation to her own need. And the offer that he gives to her is living water, eternal life living in her. In John chapter number 4 and verse number 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, he tells her. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, I will live in you. I'll put the Holy Spirit in you. We know that's what he's in reference to, which will be a well of water. It'll be living in you, eternal life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidst thou truly. She said, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And she goes on to say that our fathers worshipped in this mountain. But did you see what the Lord did, how he approached her? First he gave her the possibility of redemption. I'll give you living water. I'm giving you redemption. And I'll give you of my spirit. And she knows he's speaking spiritual things here. She understands that because she immediately turns the conversation to worship. Her father said, in this mountain we ought to worship, or that mountain. She's sidetracking the real issue because she knows it is a spiritual issue that our Lord is telling her. But then he continues on in his pursuit to give her the redemption she needs. Then she runs to the city, and in verse 29 it really tells you great information. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She is so excited that someone has offered redemption and in the same person is the truth about herself. He plainly tells her the truth. She said, come and see a man that told me everything that ever I did and he still is offering redemption. He's offering this living water. He's offering eternal life. And he's told me everything that I am and I've done. I'm telling you, this is the Christ. This has to be him. And just like the people of today in this recent survey, which said there is no excuse or excuse me, there is no substitute for the gospel because the truth of the gospel, the truth has set me free. And they tell that story over and over. Those that's been involved in every imaginable thing that our culture supports, many of them are saying the very same thing this woman at the well said when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. And ladies and gentlemen, that truth is still truth. And the truths will set people free from Satan's lies and the lies of the culture. The truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and redemption in him and through him, the gospel message is still the very thing people need. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that wonderful truth. Aren't you glad? 
that we have the gospel and we can share that everywhere and with everybody. And don't, don't be too careful of just dealing with the problems and the situations the people are in. If you do it, do it in love, uh, they realize that their lifestyle or their life situation or what they're involved in is not bringing them satisfaction. When you get down to the bottom line, what is making them happy? Are they joyful? Do they feel fulfilled in life? And 99% answer is no. There's something missing in my life, and it's really someone missing in their life the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So I don't think there's a better time in all the world for you and I to speak truth, tell the truth, give the redemption story of blessed Jesus so that our folks involved in all of the sad situations that this culture supports, that our people will say, hey, that's exactly what I need. There is no substitute for the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have the wonderful privilege. Actually, we're the only ones, the church, the only ones who can share the true message of Jesus Christ and how he can set us free and deliver us from all the circumstances and situations in life. Hey, before I turn it over to Pastor Josh for great information he's going to share with us, let me encourage you to pray for our dear Christian friends in North Korea. You know, just just this week, reports released that that is the very most dangerous country in the world to be a Christian, is in North Korea. You think that we have thought police here in America, and we do. This wokeism is telling us that, uh, and uh, that's even guarding the thoughts of people are trying to police your thoughts and police your thoughts. Take your free speech away. Take the freedom of religion away. And the thought police are out there in America. But ladies and gentlemen, in North Korea, the thought police will have you killed just because they think that you think anything toward Christ and Christianity, anything that is, in their opinion, against the communist regime of North Korea. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous place to be a Christian, yet many, many thousands of them are Christians at the cost of their own life. It makes my little efforts and my little problems seem just that, little efforts and little problems when I consider the persecution that our dear friends in North Korea are going through. And dear friends in Nigeria, in parts of Africa there, and parts of India, suffering tremendously as well. And uh, I have no complaints. No matter how rough and tough it may get here with us in America, I'm going to tell you something. People are suffering worse in other areas. And uh, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to lift them up. And I know you will as well. So let's bind together in prayer. Matthew chapter number 18 tells us very clearly that you and I can uh, agree together in prayer and the Lord hears and answers those prayers. So we will agree together for God's special deliverance and touch on the persecuted church throughout the world. There in North Korea particularly and Nigeria and other parts of Africa and India. Oh Lord, deliver and help our dear people. 
If you and I that's on this program, listening to this program, part of this program, or a podcast, whatever, if you and I will band together, join together in solidarity and prayer for these, God will hear and answer prayer and give great help and strength. May God help us to do that. Well, come on, Pastor Josh. Talk to us about uh, the Jubilee and also other great information that you have to share with us. Yes, thank you, Pastor Brad. We are excited about our Jubilee coming up in just a couple of weeks now, February the 5th through the 8th. Please mark your calendars. Come be with us if if you can. And again, that's Sunday, February the 5th through Wednesday, February 8th. If you can't join us in person, each of our services will be live streamed through our church website, AntiochBristol.com. Also through our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, the live stream will go across all those channels simultaneously. And then, Lord willing, it'll all be archived and be available to rewatch at a later date. And Jubilee is a highlight of the year for us at Antioch. It was back in 2005 that I felt the Lord burdening my heart and I surrendered to preach and publicly gave that call and revealed that call to the folks during our annual Jubilee back in 2005. So it certainly holds a very special place in my heart. I think back to 2005 and the men of God, the preachers and pastors and others who were here and who encouraged me at that young age, and I was in my early 20s, and encouraged me so much in the Lord. And many of them are now with the Lord. But there are many others still holding forth the word of life, the word of truth, Christ Jesus, to this generation. And this time of Jubilee is a time of rededication. It's a time of refreshing. It's a time for spiritual renewal. And we've seen many people who were discouraged, who were broken, who were hurting, come and find healing and hope and encouragement to go on with the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that you're not alone to know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who are on your side as we are all on the same team with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it's always a time of blessing. I love our Jubilee every year. We're looking forward to having some wonderful preachers with us again this year. Jubilee is different than a typical revival meeting that churches may have. Typically with a revival, you have one preacher who comes and preaches a series of messages. But with our Jubilee, we have multiple preachers who are preaching just one or two times during the whole week. So we're looking forward to hearing from preachers like Ralph Sexton, Ed Moore, Dennis Petty, David Atkinson, Bob Sanders, John Reynolds, Jerry Atkins, Ronnie Bearfield, Brother Jody Jenkins, Brother Vic Bledsoe, Peter Gunther, and others. And we've got special singers coming in. We'll have a combined choir of people who'd like to join in together with us in singing. Just have a wonderful time worshiping the Lord. Our Sunday schedule is our normal Sunday schedule, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 5 p.m. Monday through Wednesday night, services are at 7 p.m. each night, Monday through Wednesday. Then on Tuesday and Wednesday, we have morning services as well that begin at 10 a.m. And so we invite you to our Jubilee. We would love to have you come and be a part of that. Pastor Brad, 
was sharing about the gospel. And I want to join in on what he was saying. I love the message that he was sharing out of John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. The gospel is so essential for our world today and for our generation today. But let me also add this. The gospel is essential for our churches. I have been alarmed in recent weeks, even in this past week, at the lack of gospel understanding of people sitting on church pews, perhaps every Sunday, every Wednesday, people who are growing up through kids' ministries and youth ministries. And yet there seems to be a gospel misunderstanding. Sometimes as pastors, as preachers, as teachers, we can quote-unquote move on to deeper things, to other things. We, we can assume and wrongly assume that people understand the gospel or that people have been taught the gospel or that people who are sitting there every Sunday, uh, every time the doors are open of the church, uh, that they know the gospel, that they understand the gospel, and that they can share it with other people if, if they had to. But the more that I think about it, the more I hear from others, the more that I believe that there is a gospel misunderstanding in our churches today. And my prayer is that God would help us to have a gospel revival in our local churches. Now, let me define what I mean by gospel revival. When we talk about revival, we typically think of maybe a series of meetings like I was talking about with our Jubilee, or we think of a spiritual meeting where many unsaved people are getting saved. But a revival is a reviving. It's a a refreshing. It's for those who know the Lord to come back to a place of greater understanding, come back to a place of greater repentance as it may be, a place where they begin to get right with God in a fresh way in a certain area of their life. You see, you could have a revival of Bible reading. Maybe you've been slack and you've not really devoted time to studying God's Word and God has pricked your heart about the time that you're spending in His Word. And so you have a personal revival of Bible reading. Maybe God pricks your heart because you, your prayer life is not what it ought to be. It's been self-centered. It's been self-focused. And so God convicts you of that, and you repent of that, and you say, God, help me to have a healthy and a, a thriving and a vibrant prayer life centered on you and building my relationship with you. That's a revival of prayer in your individual life. So when I say we need to have a gospel revival, I think that our churches need to get back to the basics, get back to the simple understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what astonishes me when I see the early church, the first church in the book of Acts, Their message was not complicated, and I'm afraid today we can overcomplicate things in churches. There's so much Christian language and lingo, and and, and, and again, a, a common temptation for ministry leaders is that 
you know, even if you teach a Sunday school class, even if you're leading a youth group, even if you're the pastor of the church, you tend to look at the same general group of people. There may be some visitors mixed in here and there, but in general terms, you're looking at the same group of people week after week after week, and you begin to assume certain things about that group of people, and so you try to find new truths and deeper things, and and there's a tendency to get away from the heart of the gospel message and letting the good news of Jesus flow through what you're doing. And so uh, what I see happening and what I see that is alarming to me is the moving away from that. But again, getting back to what is astonishing is that in the book of Acts, we see them emphasizing the good news of Jesus Christ. Every single evangelistic message in the book of Acts focuses on the person of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. His death, his deity, his resurrection is the heart of every single evangelistic message in the book of Acts. I say that slowly and repetitively because we gloss over that so often. We miss it, and it's right there in front of us. When they went to preach, they went to preach Jesus. And when they preached Jesus, they focused on his deity, his death, his resurrection, that he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies to be the Messiah, and that he claimed to be the Messiah, he proved to be the Messiah through his resurrection and other means. Now, yes, they did change up their approach depending on who they're talking to. For instance, Peter on the day of Pentecost is preaching to a largely Jewish audience, and he gives it with that perspective. Later on in Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching to the Gentiles for the very first time, and Cornelius' household is there and other Gentiles, and he just explains in a matter-of-fact way how he was an eyewitness to Jesus Christ and how that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies with pinpoint precision and that Jesus died and rose again. And as he is preaching, he doesn't even get to the invitation, as we would say in our Baptist churches. But even while he is speaking, the Holy Spirit descends upon those people who were there in Cornelius' household, and the Gentiles receive the good news of Jesus Christ right then and right there. And as you go on into the book of Acts, you see Paul, for instance, now transformed from Saul to Paul by the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ appearing to him in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. Now he is going and carrying that news that transformed his life to all the different cities that he goes to. He focuses on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he's at Athens, many people talk about Paul's magnificent use of language to the people who were at Athens, very cultured, and he points out some of the statues that they have, and he notices the statue to the unknown deity, and he says, I want to tell you about that God. That's the one I want to tell you about. But he finds a way to bring in Jesus into the heart of his message. And he brings in the resurrection of Jesus Christ into the heart of that message, even in Athens, that Greek 
cultured city that was known for its debates and its discussions of academic nature. He brought in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when some heard him talking about the resurrection, they turned him off and they said, oh, no, here he goes talking about some guy that rose from the dead. But many people were saved right there in Athens when they heard that. Later on, we see Paul continue to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ all throughout his ministry. And so, friends, the bigger point that I'm making here is that our churches today, if we are not careful, we can move away from preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that that is not just part of our outreach, it's also part of our discipleship. If you divorce the gospel from discipleship, you've made a serious error. You must turn away from that because the gospel is interwoven with discipleship. Uh, Paul, when he came to Corinth, said, I decided, and I'm going to paraphrase the scripture, he said, I decided not to preach anything among you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so what Paul is saying there to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians is that the cure for the division that they were experiencing was to get back to a real understanding of Jesus Christ. The division that was happening in their church could be healed by getting back to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so many churches today are focused on this church fight and that church fight and division over this, division over that. Corinth was no different. They were divided over who was their favorite preacher. Oh, I like Paul. I like Apollos. And then the real spiritual crowd stood up and said, well, we like Jesus best of all. And there was division over that. There was division over sin. Sin crept in. Paul said, when I came to you, I just came preaching and teaching Jesus Christ, the gospel message, Christ and him crucified. That is the cure for division in our local churches is the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, I say unto you, we need a gospel revival in our churches. Our young people cannot be witnesses of Jesus Christ until they know who he is and until they realize the heart of the gospel message. It's not about us. It's not about our performance. It's not about us trying to earn our way. It's not about us hoping that we make it into heaven some way, somehow. And unfortunately, people are buying into this kind of me-centered works-based religious system, that is not the good news of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul knew it from the inside out. He lived and he walked in religious works as a Jewish man. He grew up in that. He had notoriety in that. His whole life was built around that. And he walked away from it all to follow Jesus Christ. And when a system of works started to creep back into the early church in the book of Galatians, he stood strong. I believe the church could have been wiped out and lost in a couple of generations 
if Paul and others with him hadn't stood their ground against the legalism that was trying to creep into that new church. But he stood firm on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Read Galatians chapter 1 and especially chapter 2, and you can see how strong of a stand that he took on this issue. We cannot afford to let the gospel message go. We must make that the central focus of our ministries, of our churches, of our lives. If you've got children, make sure they understand the gospel. If you've got grandchildren, make sure they understand the good news of Jesus Christ. And do your best to disciple your own family into knowing the good news of Jesus Christ and how we can have a faithful, love-based relationship with Him through faith alone. Reach out to us if you have questions about how to begin a relationship with Jesus yourself. Thank you for joining us on our program today. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.